Greetings, PVIC. Welcome to the Post-Church Podcast, a time where we reflect on the Sunday sermon and answer some practical questions. My name is Neil, and I'm here with Pastor Billy. So we're still in the King and Kingdom series um, in the Gospel of Matthew now uh, in the new section called The Parables. So we are in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, going into the first parable. Uh, Pastor Billy, go ahead and uh, tell us what the sermon was about. Thanks, Neil. So today we dove in further into Matthew chapter 13 and specifically looked at the parable of the sower. So in the parable of the sower, Jesus compares various responses to the gospel or the message of his kingdom he compares those responses to various soils Mm. as environments for the growth of seeds so the path as one of those soils so to speak represents the hard heart Uh, the rocky soil represents the shallow heart and the thorn infested soil represents the self-indulgent heart however the good soil represents the heart that receives the word of god immediately deeply and exclusively and reaps a fruitful harvest which represents the evidence of a life of faith Thank you, Pastor Billy. Um, Let's get into the first question. Um, We talked about, well, you talked about the the, the three, the sower, the seed, and the soil. And um, you know that sower is uh, Jesus in in this parable. Uh, Seed is the gospel. And uh, the soil... And the soil is the various responses to to the gospel. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So... I know the we the surfaces are different in the soil, mm-hmm. but we see here that the seed is not. Um, so, in terms of that, what is the danger in changing the seed or the gospel in any way we can in order to um, in an effort to make uh, gains in our members or in you know different things that we can do to uh, in our church community. To make it more inclusive. Yeah, that's a, it's a good question, and and just at a base level, thinking about the parable and how to understand them, I kind of come back to where I am professionally, right? So, um, in my profession, we do a lot of problem solving, right? We mm-hmm. and one great c- technique in prob- problem problem solving is when you're analyzing an issue or a problem is to look at what what changed. And what didn't change, and both of those can give you valuable insight into a problem. So you can kind of take that same sort of approach and apply that right here into a parable and ask the question: What changes and what stays the same? What's different and what stays the same? And we see in the parable is the sower, mm-hmm. while unknown to us in terms of Jesus doesn't equate the sower to anyone in particular. We mm-hmm. talked about how that opens the door to, you know, it could be 
talking about God, about mm. Christ, about anyone who seeks to sow the gospel, right? Now, while the sower is somewhat unknown, the sower doesn't change. Mm. And the seed doesn't change. It's and then, But the soils are different. Mm. Uh, so we spent a lot of time on the difference of the soils. Um, I didn't get into that kind of underlying point that you bring up here that the seed remains constant. Um, and I didn't delve into that in the sermon, but I think it's a great point to bring up. So that being said, if the seed represents the gospel <coughs> or the word of the kingdom, we see that the seed is unchanging. So there can be a temptation to um, take the word of God and accommodate it for to you know take parts of it that maybe are not that palatable right and de-emphasize those parts or or or, or modify or change right to um, accommodate the sensibilities of the culture um, and there's great um, risk there right because you lose the unadulterated gospel and this small seemingly insignificant point that the seed in the parable that the seed remains constant i think is leading us to that point that when it comes to ministry when it comes to our how we present the gospel how we um that we couldn't shouldn't be sugarcoating it we shouldn't be trying to change it you know spice it up if we could somehow actually do that spice the god what what is more scandalous than the gospel right the mm -hmm. son of god god himself gives himself up for humanity i mean you know so yeah so i think um we should uh, take caution that that the the word of god is right in and of itself we don't need to come and do a lot of smoke and mirrors and song and dance to amp it up in some sort of way um, we should just keep it simple right preach it and I think the parable does speak to that in that the seed remains constant I think it's similar to what we discussed last week about the parables right we can't change like if we use it we can't really um we have to make sure it's still grounded. Yeah. The theme is like the Bible and not yeah. make it according to It is similar own. to, yeah, what we talked about last week, that we stay grounded and rooted in the word mm. and, you know, be wary of the fact that our own minds and, and, and devices, right, yeah. can Could become, change. yeah, you know, take us off on the, on the wrong track. All right. Thank you, Pastor Billy. Um, all right, on to the next question. Um, this is um, we're talking, no, we're talking about the soil, the different kinds of soil that uh, the seed is in. So we're this particular is for the rocky soil, right? If um, the rocky soil is you know professing the delight of the word, but however the person's heart is not changed when hardships come and trouble arises, right? And the faith sort of disappears. So if the rocky soil is pertained to those that walk away 
from the faith when faced with these trials, would you say that it's like a good test to uh, as to whether we are in the faith or not? You mean, you mean trials? Trials, yes. I'm sorry, yes. The trials. And is this what it means to say that suffering is a kind of a sanctification or a sanctifying work? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the ro- what we hear here about the rocky ground um, really helps us form a theology of suffering, right? And we need we need a theology of suffering. Mm. Um, you know, I think American Christianity <coughs> does well to talk about a theology of prosperity, mm. right? Mm. Um, and you need that. When I say well, I mean does well about talking about it, not that the actual theology is done well, right? Mm. Um, but you need an appropriate theology of prosperity and an appropriate theology of suffering to understand the world that we live in, right? Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, tests and trials and challenges and struggles, uh, these are somewhat, you know, uh, these litmus tests mm. of, uh, of our faith. And I think we know that God will often use uh, trials to 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 work in us in a sanctifying sort of way, and to know that I think helps us again have a proper um, theology of suffering. You know, I'm drawn mm-hmm. to Math uh, uh, Romans chapter five, um, and there you see Paul talking about our justification by faith. And then he says something in chapter 5, verse 3, verse 2, actually starting, where he says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope. That makes sense, Mm -hmm. right? That we know that... um, there is an eternity that awaits us, right? We know that there is a glory that awaits us and that is in Christ, right? And that's a hope that we look forward to and we rejoice in that. That makes sense, right? But you go right into the next verse. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. And if you stop right there, you say, hold on. Mm. That doesn't make sense. Yes, rejoice in the hope. Okay, makes perfect sense. Rejoice in the suffering. Paul, uh, how, why, how? But you have to keep reading, mm-hmm. right? Because if you keep reading, he says this, knowing only, um, n- not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing, and this is where the understanding comes in, right? Knowing that what suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces what? So there, suffering, we, we're supposed to rejoice in our hope, right? Mm-hmm. But the road that gets us to hope starts so where? Suffering. Yeah, starts with suffering, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, um, I think we, the idea is that yeah, it's not if we're going to have trials and tribulations. It's when we have t- trials and tribulations. But 
yeah, the, God uses them in such a way um, that um, you know builds endurance in us. And then endurance pr- produces character, and the character ultimately brings us uh, hope. So that we can rejoice in hope, but we can also somehow rejoice in suffering. suffering. That's yeah. seems very counterintuitive, but when the understanding is there, and that's why it's important for our receptivity to of God's word, right, to receive it. <clears throat> immediately and deeply and exclusively mm-hmm. when we do that uh, doing something like rejoicing and suffering um, is possible but it's because of that understanding that we have and that's where he says knowing we can only rejoice in that by knowing this mm. I like that um, I know um, that's I have this uh, quote from C.S. Lewis that I always have in the back um it's because like life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace within difficulties. That's and it. It's a tough thing to go through, you know, but at the end of the day, that's the hope. Yeah. And, and we, we, um, you know, have a high priest that can, be, you know, can sympathize yeah. with us. Right, so that's like that's an, an amazing thing. So, whenever you're going through suffering, mm. um, you lift your eyes and you gaze upon the cross. What do you see? Christ, not on a throne, but entering into our very suffering. Mm. So that's a powerful resource for us. Again, as we form a proper theology of suffering, um, the cross stands there, right, yeah. for us. Amen. And it's really uh, you mentioned this the statistics that you mentioned in the sermon. That's kind of alarming. The, well, the, what you said about you know how why is you know why is this the, in America the suffering uh-huh. other persecution so little? But yeah. you said twentieth century that there's more martyrs of Christ yeah than all than all of nineteenth century combined. But I feel like that's not in. You think it's it's more in the world? It's worldwide. I, it's worldwide. That that's what I said. It's right. worldwide. Um, yeah. America is like you said, right? Like not a lot that much mm-hmm. persecution here, but we make so much noise here. Yeah. But then you look at someone in Middle East, for example, <coughs> right? And how they worship in under their not open, but yeah. I think we just definitely. we gotta recalibrate, and um, I think again. I mean, I kind of pointed to sloppy sowers mm-hmm. of seed mm-hmm. and if you if you preach a gospel that um, requires nothing of you and yeah, uh, de- demands nothing of you and um, doesn't seem valuable or doesn't isn't worth fighting for then obviously we're going to produce folks that um, when, when trials and tri- yeah, when troubles arise, then that's what's it's, it's what can happen, right? Yeah, it, it's, it's yeah, it's uh, eye opening. I mean, I w- it's parallel of the sower. It's something that we learn from Sunday school, you know, onwards. And but like, as you get older, that's when you like really put yourself, you know, in the soil, right? Like, yeah, whichever hardships, you know, whichever. I feel like I have been through each. Well, well, and that's and that's an amazing thing, right? As you go through, right, you kind of think of these different responses, and you go, "Well, yeah, y- y- it's an opportunity to self-examine." Right. Yeah. And I, for me, the parables 
I think, and that's that last piece of our ability when we're um, those three mm. methodologies that we use. That's why that last one is so important, right? It's listen with the original hearer's perspective, look for the main point, and thirdly, how might this truth change my perspective? Wow. So that last one is so important, right? We, and that's also when we talk about the immediacy of God's word, right? You come to the parable, you read it, it's, you can't be like, all right, well, that was great. I'll right. I'll think about this in three days. It's like, no, stop. And how can this truth change my perspective right now, today? To ask yeah. that question, that's sort of self-reflective. And I, the parables are just, Jesus' parables just do a great job of bringing us to that place every time. Yeah. This is, again, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks, you know? Yeah, should be good. All right. Thank you, Pastor Billy. Um, so going forward this week, do you have, uh, so what are those questions that we can think about? Yeah, so firstly, um, how how can you ensure that when you hear the word of the kingdom, it doesn't just remain on the surface of your heart, but penetrates deep within? So this one's kind of talking about the hard heart, um, mm. you know, to just kind of meditate on that for a bit. Secondly, was is to identify areas in your life where worldly concerns and pursuit of riches may be choking the word. So how might you prioritize the word over these distractions? And thirdly, um, just to kind of evaluate, assess your life based on the fruit of the spirit, um, namely love, joy, peace, etc., so how can you bear more fruit uh, in your daily walk as a disciple uh, of Christ? All right. Thank you, Pastor Billy. Uh, as we go through this week, let us um, uh, persevere through our persecutions, triumph through our trials. So uh, until next week, let us strive to live all of life to the glory of God.